0: your host Lenny Burnham. This month we're talking about uh, Welcome to Chippendales, the Hulu original miniseries based on the book Deadly Dance, The Chippendales Murders, a true story of sex, money, the mob, and murder in 1980s Los Angeles by Kay Scott McDonald and Patrick Montez de Oca. And my guest on this episode is Katie Wright, host of the Breddyston Helias yes podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: I'm and hyped to be here. The squeaking in the background is our dog, (laughs) Freddie.
1: He's
0: doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, So, Katie, this is the first of our two-part investigation into shows based on books that feature the actor Murray Bartlett. That's correct. Do you want to start by talking a little bit about the headspace you were in that led us to watching Welcome to Chippendales?
1: Yes, thank you. I think this is important. important context uh for the listener. I watched White Lotus season one a full at least year after it came out, like while season two was airing. Um on a whim and my life was changed. Uh <laughs> Murray Bartlett simply blew me away. Uh I thought he was so incredible and so very attractive. Um and you know I I, um, I didn't expect my love for Armand to be equaled by my love for other Murray Bartlett characters, but I still, um, you know, pursued his other works and was pleasantly surprised that he's played a lot of really great guys. Fucking Frank on The Last of Us, um, once again changed my life. Probably more more important to me than Armand now. Who could imagine such a thing? Um, so I just really got very into Marie Bartlett for both um, art artistry and horny reasons. Uh, very very good actor. Also just a real a real slab of beef. <laughs> um, so we started. Um, Lenny and I lived together. Uh, and watch a lot of television together. So we started watching um, pretty much all, all of his television work that was available. Um, and so we watched Welcome to Chippendales uh, because I was so horny for Murray Bartlett, Lenny. All. I, I believe Lenny is also horny for Murray Bartlett, but not to the same extent. Um, so uh, I 100% only watched this because Murray Bartlett was in it. I did not know anything else about it. I had no interest in it other than um, my main man, Murray B. Um,
0: I would say as someone who watches a lot of full filmographies, I think the TV work of Murray Bartlett is like really solid as far as full full filmographies go it really took us a while before we hit something that wasn't good and or he has really sexy parts in it which is amazing most actors like even if it's someone you'd think would have a lot of stuff like Chris Evans or something I'm immediately like oh nothing he's in is bearable and
1: he looks bad in all of them somehow (laughs) Yeah, you and I did a um a very labor intensive podcast for a while where we would just pick one actor and then watch everything that we could that they were in. Um, and they all suck actors, shit. Yeah, but we only picked like people we love. Uh, And sometimes we would be like, okay, this is like a good actor. Like, oh, Octavia Spencer is really good. So we're going to see a lot of good shit. And it's like, no, (laughs) she has like four really good roles. And then she's in fucking The Shack (laughs) and and something called Herpes Boy. Like everybody's in trash. Being an actor is sad. Um, But yeah, just like a random selection of Murray Bartlett roles. It was just fucking like back-to-back bangers for a while there like yeah we, uh, we didn't really see anything that i didn't like until we got back far enough in his career that he was kind of just doing like yeah once we got to like an, an episode
0: of the good wife yeah
1: yeah and then further back before that it's like australian <laughs> sofa <laughs> <Bruce>. <laughs> which is charming in its own way but they're not great um, but everything from, like, the last 10 years, it seems like he's just fucking crushing it in television. Um, I've watched a couple of his movies since, and they're not good. Yeah. Um, he's, TV is his domain. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he. I agree. I mean, you obviously know more about TV than I do, but I know a little something about watching everything a person is in because you're horny for them. <laughs> and it was, like... It was a uniquely rewarding experience with Murray Bartlett. He's, he's doing really good. He's doing good work. He's picking great characters. And they're like all gay guys who get railed on screen. But yeah. also have like deep pathos. Like really interesting characters. It's <laughs> phenomenal. No one's doing it like him. Yeah. No one's doing it like him. Um, yeah. So that's the
0: important in case. I just feel like most people's first question is... Why am I covering Welcome to Chippendales? That feels deep in the TV shows based on books canon. Yeah. And is like recent, but not recent enough. Um, yeah. so that's why that's we're thinking point. about Welcome to Chippendales. Yeah. fuck you. <laughs> also, in the spirit of it being a podcast on Chippendales, we are recording at night and we are both have alcoholic beverages.
1: That's right, baby. So we're
0: gonna get into it. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so shortly after we horny watched Welcome to Chippendales, Katie had the great idea to do chapter surfing episodes on the shows that Murray Bartlett has done that are based on books. This one and one other one. Ooh. Ooh. I, that was like too spooky. I yeah. wanted it to be mysterious, but we weren't spooky with yeah. it. Like people are haunted by the
1: other one. <laughs> the, the other one is even less spooky than this one. Yeah.
0: This one, he does play a ghost at one point. He does play <laughs> ghost and he nails it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't want to put words in your mouth, mm-hmm. but I feel like the first thing that jumps out at a person when they go to, from Welcome to Chippendale's The Show to the book Deadly Dance is probably the quality <laughs> of the
1: writing. I think that's reasonable to say. Um, my experience watching Chippendales, which, uh, you know, I was aware pretty, it became clear pretty early on, like, oh, this is based on a true story. Um, this is the actual, like, Chippendales story. Um, and as it unfurled, I was like, wow, this is, like, fascinating. I can't believe I've never heard of any of this stuff before. Like, you hear about Chippendales, and you at least I kind of just think of the Chris Farley sketch. Like, that's my biggest cultural touchstone for Chippendales. Um, and it was so interesting, and there's so much weird stuff and so many like interesting personalities at play that when I realized it was based on a book, I was like, fuck yes. I was so hyped to do a deep dive. Like, this is really interesting, and I want to get like more information. Um, and then the actual experience of reading the book is so disheartening. I, s- deflating, <laughs> I would say. It's boring, but more than that, it's so badly written. <laughs> it looks and feels self-published. And I was like, it's it's just, oh, it's like half a step up from being self-published because it is there's a publisher on the cover it's from something called I think Carrera House which is ironically their slogan is the books you keep (laughs) and I will be throwing this book in the trash when we're done recording this um but I did a little bit of um internet librarian sleuthing and Carrera House has only published like six books Mm. and they're all by K. Scott McDonald's (laughs) author of Deadly Dance, so it is self-published. He just made himself a little logo. (laughs) It's self-published. And why, why, how, why did Hulu option this? I'm so curious what the fuck happened there. So
0: we should say, and I'm not taking sides here because I have not looked into the facts at all. Uh This is like I saw a headline, Uh but... There's a podcast that has accused the producers of stealing from their podcast. And again, not taking sides because I have just so little information. I'm not going to click the article. (laughs) Um, But when I heard that, I was like, that does kind of make sense to me. Because like aside from just the quality the show is just like different enough in like how it looks at the facts and like what is presented that it feels like a game of telephone happened and that there is a thing in the middle.
1: Yeah, totally. Um and I yeah, I really wanted to like find that podcast and listen to it before we recorded this. I didn't do that. I'm in grad school <laughs> and I work full-time. Get off my fucking back, everybody. Um, but I did wanna I did wanna listen to that podcast, but like that totally makes sense to me, because why the fuck else would you option this awful self-published <laughs> yeah. book unless you're, it like, is covering something? Also, like, in fairness, that is
0: just a thing that happened. Like, I Doesn't was
1: one time... actually, like, self-published books? Well I,
0: well, I know, like, my experience is one time I... Uh, Uh, I have this pilot that features, like, Oscar Wilde and some other real people as characters, and when my mentor read it, he was like, you should find just, like, any book with, like, Oscar Wilde in the title to say it's based on, because, like, IP sells better, which is crazy. It's like, it doesn't have to be a good book. It doesn't have to be a popular book. It's just, like, it's, like, a thing that will make executives be like, oh, okay, it's weird. Yeah,
1: you know, I... I do remember you telling me about having that conversation and that has been in the back of my head ever since I learned about this fucking book. But I just, I was like, I I felt that it was implied like, it does have to be a real book though. (laughs) You know, it doesn't have to be popular, but it has to have been like published by a publisher and not like a guy who knows how to use Amazon's publishing (laughs) platform. Yeah, but it's like...
0: I could sort of see it that it's, like, if the executive just, like, looked up what the name is, they would be, like, okay, that is a book. It has Chippendales in the title. <laughs> yeah, I guess.
1: But, uh... Yeah, anyway. It's really strange. <laughs> yeah. But, and and it makes me wonder, like, why not just option the podcast? Yeah, like, because,
0: like, stuff based on podcasts is really popular okay. now. Yeah, I...
1: Like, true crime podcasts are, like, blowing up. Like, that's, like, the number one podcast genre.
0: Yeah, and like, it's weird because the, the podcast that is accusing them. I think it is like factually true that they did present a version of this <gasps> to, to the company. Right. That's oh why they think they stole it. Um, so like, even if they changed everything, it's like, you also changed everything from the book. Like who cares? Like you wouldn't have been locked into anything. Yeah. if you. I don't know. It's super weird. Yeah. I don't understand it. There must have been some, ev- you know, even if it's evil, some sort of calculus, cold hearted reason why that would be better. But I don't get it because it seems like if that podcast is like popular or professional at all, that would be better than basing it on this book.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess, okay, here's an like totally based on nothing theory, but just like theoretically a way that could play out would be maybe if the person who did the podcast is like a journalist um, or an academic of some kind and was like, you know, I I do want to hold the show to like a certain Mm. standard of keeping to the facts. And Hulu was like, well, we sort of want to have a fun time with it. And fucking K. Scott McDonald, self-published author, is like, yeah! You want the rights to my book?
0: No questions asked.
1: All you, baby. Yeah, maybe. Um, That could be something. I
0: don't know. But uh, getting back to the quality of the book, I feel like you and I had kind of different experiences. Mm -hmm. I feel like we were the uh guys on the bus meme if anyone knows what that is you can try google imaging it hopefully it comes up but um yeah Mm -hmm. like you described it as a miserable experience I found the way that it's bad kind of delightful because I feel like deadly dance is the only work I've experienced that has as many completely new English sentences as like, I think you should leave. Just like every page is just like, why did they say
2: it
1: that way? Those parts were fun. Like the parts where I was just like taking a photo of a page and being like, why, why did he decide to say this? That was fun. Um, there wasn't enough of that per page for the whole thing to be a delight. And if there had been a bunch per page, I probably would have gotten burned out. Um, because, yeah, that's, like, the the sort of, like, meta level of being, like, what a bizarre <laughs> sentence was, like, the only enjoyment to be had. And the actual telling of the facts was boring as shit.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know how many you remember or if you, like, took notes, but I feel like we should talk about a few of their favorite little things phrases in this because they have they have some of their pet things that they like to say Mm -hmm. one is anytime they mention someone they'll be like five seven 140 pounds which just an insane thing to say I'm like I don't have like unless it's my weight and height I have no reference for what that the fuck that means yeah
1: and I'm wondering like have you ever read a true crime book before? No. Me neither. And I am kind of wondering if that might be a trope of people. Maybe, persona. yeah. Because if you're pulling from, like, police records, yes. there's probably not a lot of description of people, but there probably is, like, those, like, hard stats are probably That's listed true. in
0: the documents. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
1: but it, it adds nothing. Yeah. And they will say, like, like they, I think they called Steve Banerjee, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like, 5'8 and a pudgy 140 pounds and I was like that sounds really fit
0: yeah go based (laughs) on the show I feel like he wasn't pudgy he just had poorly fitted jackets
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did google the actual Steve Banerjee and he was pudgier than post steroids (laughs) 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 he was yeah he looked he was a little round Yeah. yeah I, I think he was lying about his weight. Frankly, there's no way he was 140. Or whatever. I mean,
0: if they're getting it from like your driver's license, yeah, it's like gonna be whatever. old. Yeah, like yeah. I, like my new driver's license still says 120 pounds because when I was filling it out, I was like, "Am I just supposed to say what was on my last driver's license?" Like that was the point in the the procedure, right. and there was never a point where I was like, "Oh, I'm getting a new one. I need to update it." Right.
1: Like, and it's just gonna say always, some dumb random shit. Yeah, and the weight on mine is always inaccurate. Cause Fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. Major That's my business. That. Um, I have, I didn't organize them very well, but I do have some photos of um, of lines that I highlighted. Hell while reading. yes. So I'm just going to read some random okay. ones that come up. Ray's advice was worth its words in gold. <laughs> <laughs> classic phrase. Classic expression. Um, okay in order to make the connection to him would be even more difficult to make. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, no proofreading. And now that I know it's truly fully self-published, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Like, I have, you know, I have that level of typo in my writing yeah. frequently. Um, but, you know, I would hope I would get it cleared out before I would send it to an editor. And certainly I would hope if it was going to be published, it would be edited.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, okay, here's another one. Uh, Ray rushed to his car to get to the Chippendales office before Steve left, but Ray could not find the office. Steve had moved his office since Ray last visited Steve's office. (laughs) After a frantic call for directions, Ray finally arrived at the new office. (laughs) (laughs) That's so many uses of the word office. I started reading that not remembering (laughs) why. It's so many. Okay, let's do one more, and maybe I'll come back and do more later. Um, <clears throat> Ray could now see his doctor about his kidneys, but his doctor refused to see him. The physician had heard about Ray's arrest and wanted nothing to do with the man involved with the murder for hire. Oh, you know what? That one, actually, thats there's nothing wrong with that sentence. I just highlighted that because I was surprised <laughs> <His> doctors <laughs> can do that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I they had to treat you. I thought on House... If they, uh, from, based on house, if they didn't want to treat you because you're bad, it would be a whole episode's worth of, of debate. It wouldn't just be like, (laughs) no. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's incredible writing. And I do wish more of it was that level of unhinged bad, because it, it it is very fun. But, it's like a couple of chapters that are highlight worthy.
0: That's fair. I, I'm going to read one part I highlight, well, two parts, so... (laughs) One of my favorite things about this book was there would be, like, exact phrases that keep coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of them was, on one page it says, They looked like a butler should in every woman's most erotic dreams. (laughs) And then another time they said, Six dancers strode out in bellboy uniforms and proceeded to dance and act like servants in every woman's most erotic (laughs) dreams. (laughs) There's so many things I love about this. But my favorite is the sentence, they looked like a butler should in every woman's most erotic dreams, implying that women don't always do the best job at having erotic dreams. Like, ideally they would hit this level, but sometimes a woman's most erotic dream is a butler who's just okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one that I highlighted. This is a kind of a different genre of bad. It's just like, it's not bizarre <laughs> like some of these. It's just like, why did you, why did you bother with this simile? Um, just like desperate to throw in color. So this is like describing um, uh, an arson. And this is uh, moments later, the two arsonists were inside, puffing and wheezing like a pair of geriatric marathoners. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a specific image that's not you know geriatric marathoner that's not like oh yeah, yeah yeah we talk about those yeah i'm aware of those um so that's how they were puffing in these things. it's like you know like i i get sort of the idea of like you know, i'm gonna create an image that's new but evocative um but it's not needed. It's <laughs> super distracting. It's sort of like, it's kind of a writing style I associate with like Stephen King of like a, a, a fun, but like a, a little too
2: colorful. Yeah.
1: But you know, with Stephen King, it's fine. Yeah. But in a true crime <laughs> account where like people die. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really weird choice. Yeah.
0: Um, to give. Just a small amount of credit to these men who I've made fun of a lot and I'm going to continue making fun of throughout this podcast and the rest of my life. (laughs) I, towards the very, very end, got to a point where it, like, casually was, like, during all these interviews we were conducting, so I was like, oh, okay. They personally reached out to all these people and gathered all this information that is actually, like, a lot of work. But it just makes it more frustrating that you're, like, you did so much work reporting this just do a tiny bit more work of like hiring a copy editor on Craigslist to
1: just get it over that hump you're so
2: close
1: yeah and I think it's a bit of a Dunning-Kruger effect situation where they're like such incompetent writers that they're really overconfident because they don't know what good writing is and I think that they they feel good about it and when i went on um scott k mcdonald is that his name k, scott, k. scott mcdonald when i went on k scott mcdonald's website which is also the carrera press website <laughs> interestingly um, he has a blog of like writing tips and i just laughed aloud yeah how dare he that. yeah absolutely it was I'm just we're all there. of them like Make
0: sure you put a colorful analogy in every sentence. Don't be boring with
1: them. The one specific one that I looked at was like, should writers focus more on quantity or quality? And he was like, now I'm a quality guy. <laughs> but, and then I just had to close the browser. No, I, couldn't, I... I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable oh. stuff. Apparently, did you read the little post Postscript about how this book came to be at the very end of the book?
0: I don't think
1: Apparently, so. Apparently, K. Scott McDonald met uh, Ray uh-huh. um, Ray Cologne, who is a sort of like a second level character in the show, but like the main mm-hmm. character by long shot of the book. Um, he met him in an acting class. Oh my god! K. Hey, Scott McDonald is apparently an actor, um, uh, as much as he's a writer. Um <laughs> Rick Malone you know, had dreams. It's LA baby. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. an acting. <laughs> and the other writer is also an actor. I think wow. he's an actor producer. Um, but yeah, so I think he's friends with K Scott through some kind of showbiz thing um but yeah that's how that came to be wow. We just happened to meet Ray Cologne and I, th- I think this was the first book about this um about this whole incident um which is just so fucking weird that like it it it, it didn't nobody wrote a book about it until like thirty years later when some random guy yeah. did like a blog. I know there was a
0: movie about it in two thousand. Oh, that's
1: right, with the guy from Lost. No, and Andrews, right? yeah. It's yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah. Um. By the way, unrelated to Welcome to Chippendales, but that story just reminded me. uh, the book Schindler's List, the gu- the author was like a suitcase salesman, and in the <laughs> beginning of the book, he's like one day a guy came into my store and he started telling me how uh, he, was in the hu- he was in the concentration camp and it was run by this guy and that and then that, the, the book Schindler's list happened and that just like we've both worked in customer service I just like can't fathom at what point in helping someone pick out a suitcase the book Schindler's list is born <laughs> but I'm glad that he is a real chatty salesman who I guess makes people real comfortable because I'm glad that that story was told. Absolutely. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: But uh, so you mentioned Ray Cologne being like the focus of this book, which at the time I assumed it was because like the only thorough source they had was like his testimony. Mm -hmm. But now hearing that, I'm like, oh, it's maybe a worse thing where they were just like very biased towards his perspective. Yeah.
1: Um, And they are so... um, is okay if I just give a little context? Yeah. So, um, so Steve Banerjee, who's played by Camille Nanjiani, was the creator of Chippendales. Uh, and he paid to have his, uh, business partner slash rival, um, who, uh, Nick Genoia, who was played by Murray Bartlett, he paid to have him killed. And he used Ray Cologne as like an intermediary, who's like the, the guy who hired the guy who did the hit, um, and he also used Ray Cologne to to do some like arson and other kind of like miscellaneous illegal and legal tasks. Um, so uh, it, I can't remember why I was giving that context just now, but I do remember that it felt important. <laughs> sure.
0: Um, <laughs> no, that's good to know. That's the premise yeah. of the show. That's the
1: premise. Yeah, that's the premise. <laughs> Oh, so the um. No, I lost it. I lost right. it. Uh, what was the last you thing I sa- said? saying <laughs> I was saying how
0: they seem very biased towards Ray's perspective. Oh
1: yeah, so I was gonna say they do. Um, the 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 whole book is told through Ray. Like he's the point of view character. It's it's the Ray story. Which, when you watch the show, Ray really is on the fringes. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy was also there. Um, But it is not about him. We don't get his interiority. And he's, like, super weird. (laughs) Like, he makes a lot more sense in the book. It's just like, oh, this guy was just sort of, like, a professional criminal. Like, a career criminal. Um, In the show, it's like, he pledged an oath
2: of
1: Steve Banerjee. Um, And he seems, like, obsessed with him on a, like, Waylon Smithers Mr. Burns Mm -hmm. level. Um, uh, But I will say that in the book they're not having any other source of information other than the television show that I know is not reliable. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't have anything to compare it to. I haven't done outside research. But they do uh, fairly frequently say, like, Ray claims this, but other, other sources make it seem like probably it was this. Or like, you know, Ray says his brother-in-law wasn't involved, but Ray was always trying to downplay his brother-in-law's involvement, and it seems pretty clear that his brother-in-law was more involved than that. So they are, even though they're, like, taking up Ray as their point-of-view character, they're not totally uncritical of his story they are like you know ray ray lies race race trying to protect certain people he's trying to make himself look better um but you know they certainly they might be doing that like five
0: percent yeah that's the impression i got like (laughs) yeah yeah, you're right they they are critical you kind of have to be because he 100 did the stuff um (laughs) but uh yeah i felt like you could still really see the bias of where, like, it maybe exaggerates how reluctant he was about certain stuff. Um, I also, like, I don't want to be too much of a conspiracy theorist. Let's do it. Let's
1: go fucking
0: crazy. Uh, so I don't want to be insensitive. A horrible crime happened. The architects of it deserved to go down. The actual guy who went down for supposedly doing the shooting um they say all of the witnesses at the time uh didn't pick him out of a lineup and he was this undocumented immigrant who confessed once they have like one confession which happens all the time and the rest of the time he was like no i didn't do that before and after um so they like talk about it and are casually like, oh yeah, like none of the the witnesses, uh, you know, thought it was him. And I'm like, you should be more curious about that. Wow. Cause yeah. the, like the witnesses were like the, that first round when they didn't think it was him, that was like right after, like when their memories were fresh. And then like later they were like, it might've been him after Wake Alone yeah. named him. It seems I'm not a detective, but I found it very noticeable
1: in the book. That's, that's a really good point. I I will cop to not picking up on that, but um, again, I was so bored yeah. reading this. Um, but yeah, it's
0: like entirely Ray Cologne saying it was him and, you know, this one confession, which happens all the time, I know that from American Vandal, the one true crime show I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so that was very jarring, and maybe someday someone should look into that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, yeah.
0: Um, but anyway, as far as uh, just, like, how jarring the difference between the show and the book is, when we rewatched the show after we had both read the book, it was so crazy realizing that the majority of the book happens off screen in between the penultimate episode and finale of
2: the show. (laughs)
0: Like, like I want to say
1: 70% of the book
0: off screen in those chunks.
1: Nick Denoya is, I would say second lead. Yeah. Um, Uh, after, after Kumail, Murray Bartlett is second lead, Nick DiNoya is like co-protagonist slash main antagonist to, um, to Steve Banerjee and he dies in the penultimate episode, um, and then the last episode is the fallout from that and we have a a moment of him as a ghost, not a real ghost, (laughs) it's symbolic, it's in Steve's head, um, and I was so fucking floored when Nick Denoya was dead in, like, chapter four of, like, a 25-chapter book. It's was like, what the fuck is this? And it's so much just about, like, Rey's assets being seized yeah. and so boring. I don't care. I don't care. So quickly in the book, there's, like, no club life no partying no um gay life um debatable if there's any gay life Uh, i'll get to that later it's debatable if anyone involved in the story was actually gay um and it is just it could be any crime it could be any crime it's just a guy who's cooperating with the feds to get a, a shorter sentence and to sell his boss out and it's It feels so fucking nonspecific. And like the cool thing about Welcome to Chippendales as a show, I feel like, is that it's, it's got this like glitzy, horny (laughs) backdrop. Um, yeah, it's just so, it's so bizarre. And it, you know, it makes sense that the guy that they know is the guy (laughs) that they focused on, but I don't. I don't give a shit about
2: any
0: of
1: that. I think
0: I definitely found that stuff a lot more interesting than you did. I think like the stuff of like, I don't know. I always think it's kind of interesting when someone like so obviously did something and you still have to like not figure out who did it, but just like figure out how you can actually pin it on him. Mm -hmm. And I actually think like, there could be an adaptation of the book that actually focuses on that. I think it could be very, like, a very, like, Coen brothersy y tone, because um, there's just, like, so many weird parts, like, when the feds are like, oh, yeah, we are all go to New York together, and yeah. we'll go to dinner, and, like, yeah. there's this weird thing about um the guy who shot Nick just kept saying he was hungry and having to get food like all the time. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and he was uh, a heroin addict. I don't know if that has anything to do. I don't know if heroin makes yeah, you he hungry. I, um, I guess I would kind of assume it's the opposite since like heroin addicts are usually so skinny but maybe it fu- just fucks with your metabolism. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you are know the FBI agents were really interesting. That was like, kind of a minor thread, I felt like, in the book, but, um, it was noticeable, but also didn't necessarily feel like the authors really noticed it, that, like, the the two feds that Ray Cologne was working with the most seemed, like, bad at their job. Yeah. I really, like... <laughs>
0: ridiculous and weird and dumb and bad in a way that feels super realistic whereas like on the show I think fortunately it's a very minor part but like the their portrayal of the feds is so fucking dumb like they're just these like smart guys who are like Steve Banerjee you shouldn't be homophobic it's like that did not happen oh my god
1: there's so (laughs) much it's so wild on the show how like the only people who are homophobic are like also, the bad guys. It's like, this is fucking like 1979, 1980. You're telling me that every single person wasn't homophobic, including like most of the gays somehow? Like, like how the fuck? What? I don't believe it. Yeah, no, it's all bullshit. They're absolutely, they're absolutely all homophobic. That's That was just normal. It would be weird if you weren't homophobic.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, there, there's a couple of things that, yeah, didn't make it into the show, which I think is a missed opportunity, of the the fucking feds that Ray was working with doing shit where they're like, they'll do stuff like, uh, you know, he's in custody, but he's working undercover, so he's, he's not in prison, but they're, they have to be somewhere at a specific time to pick him up. And they're just like 25 minutes late, and he's like, fuck, do I call the FBI? Like, where do I go? Where are they? What happened? Did they get murdered? And then they come, like, waltzing out of a bodega with <laughs> soda yeah. box, And they're like, oh, thank God you didn't call the bureau because we'd be fired.
2: <laughs> like, they don't give really a
1: shit. They don't give really a fucking shit. <laughs> and there's, there's one thing where they're like, they pose at the, like, they have to go into Canada for something, um, and they pose at the Canadian border with, like, there's there's three feds at that time, and they're doing the, like, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no oh, evil yeah! monkeys, and then they they pose Ray so that it looks like he's, like, dashing across the border <laughs> into Canada, and, and the book just, like, briefly mentions that they have, they, like, pinned that photo up on their, uh, on their, like, um corkboard in their office or something and got in big trouble with their boss because he was like what the fuck are you doing this is not how you treat a goddamn suspect like what the fuck is this Uh, and it's just like only mentioned in passing it's not given as much color as I gave it just that it's like you know which which got them censure from their superiors or something and then we move on but it's like I want to hear that conversation yeah what is happening (laughs) are you guys like fucking this guy is he giving you drugs like why are you so fucking money money
0: (laughs) yeah on the show they like make up there's a lot of stuff that is like fully made up which I don't agree with like obviously sometimes that's fine like if it's like inglorious bastards it's like yeah who cares but this I was like all of your stuff you lied about was super dumb and uh but um so one of the things is uh like the reason it took so long for them to have Ray wear, wear a wire and get the dirt on Steve Banerjee in the show. It's this quick explanation where, like, a low-level guy who had information just eventually got arrested, and then they were like, okay, now we can kick into, de- into gear. But in the book, it's just, like, it just took so long because, like, our process is stupid and friends are stupid.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. Um, should we talk some more about the stuff that they just, like, seemingly yes. fabricated in okay. the
0: show. So, one of the most—this is such a minor detail, but it's just really egregious— is they have this character who I guess didn't exist at all, the Juliet Lewis character. Yeah, she's
1: appar- she seemingly did not exist at all.
0: Yes. yes. And they say she invented breakaway pants— <laughs>
1: with if if you look it up that wasn't even like
0: someone at chippendales it was just like they had already existed for like a long
1: time (laughs) it's so fucking weird it's so fucking weird yeah like Like, that feels like that's not interesting enough to make up yeah it feels like (laughs) they just
0: wanted there to be a big reason that nick denoya hired her but she could just like show him some like good sketches of costumes like
1: yeah absolutely it's so bizarre um it feels like the kind of thing that you would work into the script because you're like, oh, this also happened. Like, we should we should include that since yeah. it's an interesting piece of historical detail. <laughs> if it's not true, who yeah. gives it a shit? It is literally
0: only interesting if that's true about Chippendales. Yeah. It's so weird.
1: It's like, it feels like, a sort of super condensed version of they make a whole movie about Flay and hot Cheese yeah. and it's not even true. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, another thing I really hated was in the show, uh, Nick DeNoya gets touring rights for Chippendales by writing in perpetuity on a napkin and Steve signs it. Cause he doesn't know what in perpetuity means, which like, Far be it from me to accuse Command Langiani of being racist, but it did feel racist that there was no, there's no real basis of Steve Banerjee not having perfect command of English. Yeah. He was a successful businessman. He probably signed a lot of contracts and knew the phrase in
1: perpetuity. Yeah. And they did, they did sign that contract like they just made the deal themselves and they did sign it on a napkin. But Based on what's in the book, it doesn't seem like in perpetuity was included.
0: Yeah, it's (laughs) such a weird detail. And it was one of those things where, like, when I watched the show, I was like, that's really fucking stupid, but I guess if that's what happened, okay.
1: But it's not! Yeah. Um, And it's, it's an extra weird thing because it, like... It almost feels like a studio note of, like, Steve doesn't have a good enough reason to murder Nick. Like, let's have Nick do something a little worse to earn it. But But that's that's a real man who was really murdered. So don't make him deserve (laughs) it a little bit more. Also, the real thing
0: was that um, Steve Banerjee said he could get a... Um, that he could do be in charge of tours and his quote-unquote tour was opening one new location in New Jersey. <laughs> and I think that would be like a better what-the-fuck-nick moment. Hey, hey. hey,
1: hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, yeah. You're, you're so right. Um, another thing that seems to be, uh, you know, base, baseless, mm-hmm. um, I think probably can't be proven or disproven, but the show is, like, Nick is gay. Or, like, maybe bi, but super into dudes. Yeah. For sure. Arguably into women has so much sex with Andrew Rannells. Yeah. They're clearly in love. They probably would have gotten married. Andrew Rannells is the one who finds his body and fucking has this beautiful Emmy cry moment over it. And that's, that character doesn't exist. I just want to see what he has. Oh, it's something
0: he's allowed to have. He's allowed to
1: have that. (laughs) And it's something that won't even squeak. (laughs) What a good boy. What a good boy. Um, It's, so, he seemingly did not exist. Uh, And, again, I'm just going off the book. I haven't done independent research. It seems, based on the book, there's not really any evidence Nick DeDoya was gay. Yeah, my theory. There's a little bit of rumors because he was in showbiz. My theory is
0: that it's because like a nonfiction book has to worry more about litigious family members, but like maybe he was pretty well known for being gay and it's just like a couple family members who didn't want them Mm -hmm. talking about that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think that with Hulu having such deeper pockets than us, yeah, but but author. the thing
0: is, it's a fictionalized show. Is the oh, thing like you so can you're not if you say it? Yeah, life. no, if you say yeah. that it is fiction, you can yeah. literally just be like, "This is a show about Joe Biden, who's a pedophile, and he can't
1: do shit." <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Good to know. I'll yeah. keep that in mind. <laughs> I think we should bank that idea for later. <laughs> Joe Biden pedophile show. Um, insider tip. Um, because I, I really liked Nick Denoya as a character, and I thought in particular the, like, portrayal of his sexuality I, I really liked. Like, I yeah. thought it was a really, a good kind of nuance of somebody who's kind of, you know, not, not black and white on a sexuality spectrum. Um, and, uh, and <laughs> being like, fucking, what are you you fucking made all that shit up? <laughs> um, was distressing, because now I'm like, should I even like that character? Like, yeah. would, would Nick DiNoya be like, I'm a homophobic straight man in 1980. <laughs> like, this is my fucking legacy. Like, I don't know. I don't have the answers to these questions, but it worries me. Yeah, a
0: lot of stuff about the show is off putting to me. And this is probably with an issue with like true crime in general. It's like super not my genre, but like I looked up how old Nick DeNoya is and he would be 81. So it's just like, there's so much stuff where you're just like, This is a very recent (laughs) murder, and you're just now uh, making a show that's, like, he was super gay first time. (laughs) Maybe fine, maybe really not. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's a big question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if he actually was gay, and if he had, like, the context today to, like see how he comes across, like, you know, probably a gay, a gay man in 1980 would be like, oh, it's really cool that this thing that was, like, super shameful is now, like, fine, um, but if he wasn't, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like, that's so fucking weird, and, you know, maybe even if he was gay, maybe he wouldn't be okay with it, and,
0: yeah, cause it's like, it's such an unknown story and he wasn't very famous that it's like even though the Hulu show you know wasn't huge i feel like that's definitely now most people's idea of what nick denoya was so yeah it's weird For sure, to yeah. not
1: tread lightly <laughs> yeah. like I, I pulled up his wikipedia page after i watched the show and the like the intro is like nick denoya was like the murdered co-owner of chip and Dan- like he's he's known for being a murder victim yeah. and like secondarily for being involved in Chippendales. And then there's like a little bit at the bottom that's like, uh, he also worked on this children's show that like won a Grammy, but that's, that's like trivia. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, an interesting thing about this person who famously was murdered. And this is definitely like the biggest stage that this murder story has been on. Yeah. So this is absolutely, this is Nick DeNoia's legacy now. <laughs> and like, you know, I hope I hope if I'm murdered, Murray Bartlett plays me getting yeah, fucking rails. For sure. Uh, but um, doing the railing, I guess Nick Jonas <laughs> is a top on the show. Um, at least they did him that dignity. He's a top.
0: We don't know. Maybe that's the part he'd be mad about. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it's it feels really. Uh, it makes me it makes me feel weird and bad. And I do you think part of that is just like that's what true crime is for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's just sort of an implication that when you're watching it, it feels like we're entering into an agreement that you're going to basically tell me what happened. Yeah. Like, you're going to bend some things for, like, dramatic clarity and move stuff around. And you have to make up conversations that nobody was there for. And I'm not going to think it's 100% accurate, but I'm going to be like, okay. You know, he had a boyfriend who was a rich guy who was funding his tour. Uh, his female friend invented tearaway pants. <laughs> like, I mean, like the basic facts yeah. are real, and that's not the case <laughs> at all. And yeah, again, it's just like if it wasn't the story of someone's murder, I would be so much more forgiving of it being kind of full of shit. Like. There's, there's movies like that, Steve Jobs or whatever.
0: Yeah, surely. Like, social
1: network. Yeah, yeah. Movies like make shit up about real people. But it's, yeah, it's plucking a man from almost total obscurity <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, be, uh, to be like, what if he was a, this kind of guy? <laughs> it feels really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's played so well and yeah. he's written well. Like, if it was pure fiction I got no issues, but it yeah, it's troubling. It's, it
0: doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. Um, another really weird thing this show made up is... So the entire first episode is about this guest character in a just incredible performance by Dan Simmons. I... Is, even, this, is that the
1: name Dan Simmons?
0: Uh, oh, fuck, am I... I mean, con- Yeah. Stephens. I always Stephens. now mix him up with the writer of the terror. Oh! <laughs> um, but yeah, Dan Stevens. <clears> throat> um... Throat> um just it's truly right. incredible chameleon performance. I
1: he had no is, idea it was him until yeah. like, you told
0: me. And even didn't. yeah, I like looked it up. I was trying to look up who the girl, mm-hmm. his girlfriend, was because I was like, well, that guy is obviously some guy I don't know. And then I was like, oh, I have watched him star in multiple TV shows previously, mm-hmm. and I've even like seen him be American before. Yeah. But he's,
1: he's like so a different. Lazy character actor. This man will never be a leading man. He's too sleazy. He's too much of a weasel. He's, uh, you know, borderline, like, serial killer vibes. More, you know what, more, like, second-rate 70s porn.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's super swarthy in a way that I would just not expect Dan Stevens to be. I would be like, you can snap all the mustaches you want on him. He will never be swarthy. But in this, it's like... Yeah, they go home, Milo Ventimiglia. It's Dan <laughs> Stevens' turn. Yeah. Um, he's such a chameleon and Welcome to Chippendales that when I heard he was replacing Justin Roiland, I was like, does he just have a perfect Justin Roiland in him? Is this just going to be an exact imitation?
1: I had that thought too. Yeah. Um,
0: See, anyway. Also,
1: this is, I'm yeah. sorry, really quick Dan Stevens' sidebar. Yes. He reads the audiobook for Murder on the Orient Express, and he's incredible, and he does a fucking pitch-perfect Poirot.
0: Nice. He sounds
1: just like um, the the famous Poirot. David Suchet? David Suchet, yes. He sounds just like him.
0: Good. It's so good. Oh, wow. It's so good.
1: Highly recommend. Please check out Murder
0: on the Orient Express, read by Dan Stevens. Go on. Right, <laughs> yes. So this character who, much like Nick denoya great performance, and I think pretty good character on the show, little weird, but I think they pull it off, mm-hmm. um, is framed as being, like, super important to the start of Chippendales, um, and then when you read the book, they're like, he went to Chippendales a couple of times.
1: He had been in business. Though. Okay. He had, it, it is, like, super thrown away, but it is thrown away in a way where I'm, like, this could just be a difference in framing. Okay. Like, he could have been as involved in Chippendales as we see on the show, um, but the book's just not interested in it. It's not clear. Because it's like, um, uh, you know, he had, br- he had briefly been um, uh, Steve's partner on something-something, and, and then when um, all this came out, Steve was afraid it was going to take his business, and everybody said, no, you only worked with him briefly. You're fine. Um, so it does seem like it could...
2: It's okay. not really
1: clear, um, you know, who who's to say. I certainly don't trust the show, but based on what's in the book, I'm like, that could just be uh, a difference in, like, priorities. I don't know.
0: All right, okay, that makes more sense. Because, yeah, the um, on the show, it's like this was Steve Banerjee's close partner until he committed these horrible crimes. And, yeah, in the book, it's really, like, they had very little affiliation, but Steve was terrified people would associate them anyway, which I was like, he really saw into the future, because indeed, now the most famous portrayal of that murder is like... Yeah, it was basically... In the show, it is basically like he is so threatened by Nick DiNoya, homosexual, that he does those (laughs) things.
1: And the director, uh, Peter Bogdanovich...
0: Yeah, but what's funny is, so in... uh, In real life, she actually, like, had an affair with Peter Bogdanovich. But in uh, the show, Peter Bogdanovich, like, mentions he might eventually cast her in a movie. And the
1: guy flips out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like... It's not a show about that story. It's not a show about that story, yeah. Like, I I guess it's like... At least they're doing the opposite of the thing I feel like they did with Nay. That's like, fair, they, yeah. They made her. No, I'm not saying that she anybody deserves to be murdered for infidelity. Yeah. But they made her like deserve it even less. Like yeah. they made it <laughs> even less motivated. That's Like true. this guy's just a fucking loon who <laughs> fucking snapped. Um. So,
2: all right. If you're gonna air in one
1: direction, fair enough. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um.
1: But, which did you did did you say that that is what um that that's what happened he Yeah,
0: he snaps he, and he kills uh his girlfriend and then himself. Yeah, yeah. He was
1: a real which was a real thing that happened. Yeah, she that was a playmate and she was a um I think actress or aspiring actress.
0: Yeah, there and there've been a couple movies about that. That was like a more famous oh. thing than the than the normal murder. I Northern guess that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Interesting. I wonder if there's a, a subset of people who watch Chippendales and are like, oh, those two, like, if it's like, yeah. oh, if it's like opening with OJ and Nicole.
0: Yeah, and that like, makes oh,
1: sense. Oh, shit. Because <laughs> um, for me, it was totally like, at the end of that, it's the first episode, right? Yeah. Dan Stevens is only in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is the girl whose name I don't remember.
0: Nicola Peltz Uh, from Bates Motel Oh (laughs) shit that's right I'll never remember that she's
1: involved She was
0: not very good on Bates Motel and Affluenza a movie I saw in theaters along with maybe a dozen other people Mm -hmm. That was Um, your
1: own horny journey Yeah Um,
0: And she was not a very good actress and then she married like a billionaire and I was like good for her now she doesn't have to act anymore but then when I saw her on Welcome to Chippendales I was like I guess she likes it
1: Yeah Fine, and to yeah, she I have a ton when she, days, has she has to be pretty well. for one episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you remember the the real woman's name? No. Dorothy, Dorothy something?
0: Oh, that sounds right. Um,
1: anyway, uh I thought it was so jarring. Yeah. That the first it episode really ends in a is. murder that's like
0: out of nowhere. So, yeah, we should talk about Welcome to Chippendales. I did enjoy but I think the storytelling is pretty insane so episode one sorry
1: just want to jump in to uh out of respect um Dorothy Stratton Stratton. sorry go ahead um so episode one
0: ends on this grisly murder that you do not see coming at all and then it's
1: like it really felt if you don't know, if you don't know about these people and you don't know that Finky famously murdered her, it felt like these are gonna be two of the main characters of the show. Yep. Like, this is the journey we're yep. going
0: on. <laughs> um, so they, there's a grizzly murder, then there's a lot of episodes that are like, we're running this business, we're doing all their dance tours, great. And by like episode seven, like fairly far in. I distinctly remember you looking this show up on IMDB yes. and being like, why is it listed as a crime show? Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, there was a murder in the first episode, and there was an arson like two episodes ago. Arson's a crime. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a different kind of crime show. It's so weird. And it feels like I wonder I wonder if they're expecting that if you watch this you know the basics. You know know about, like, the Chippendale murders. Because I had no idea. I didn't know there were murders. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like... it doesn't doesn't feel like it's coming. It does not feel like it's going that direction. Yeah. Like, you would just
0: expect them to, you know, call it the Chippendales murders. That would be one of the obvious things to do. Or, like, I don't really like this type of storytelling, but I feel like it would make a little more sense if it, like, opened on... Nick Denoya's shooting and then is like 10 years earlier and you're like okay I'm gonna find out everything that led up to that
1: yeah I agree I don't like that kind of storytelling either generally but um something
0: yeah something that (laughs) might have been the
1: the move Yeah. yeah and I do feel like part of why they focus so much on Dorothy Stratton's murder in the first episode is they're like it's setting the tone yeah like in a horror movie where they hit a deer 15 minutes in and it's like oh that was like jarring and violent it has nothing to do with what comes later but it puts you in a space where you're expecting like jarring violence um yeah (laughs) but it doesn't quite work yeah exactly it doesn't do that
0: that's totally the intent but it's like you're like oh that's weird and then you like get lulled again and then when there's a murder you're like
2: oh what
1: nothing to do with anybody who survives it yeah. you know like there's it's Steve has no part in it yeah no one who survives it has any part in it except Peter Bogdanovich <laughs> like it's so yeah it it does not feel like it sets that tone and the show doesn't have that tone until suddenly Nick is dead but it's just like fun scrappy like business on the come up story <laughs> for like six episodes yeah, yeah, and it's also interesting that um, that it ends. Um, so Nick is murdered in the second to last episode, and then um, you know everything everything falls apart for Steve. Uh, Ray Ray wears a wire, and they get his confession on tape, and Steve goes to jail, and then he um, is convicted, and then he commits suicide in jail. Um, and uh, then after that after like our final shot of Steve like dead in his cell it cuts to like 10 years earlier on just like a random night in the club and like everybody's yeah. having fun and just like dancing and like oh this is great and like you know Nick and Nick and Steve are like friendly and everything's fine and it is so interesting that it ends on that note because it's like the show is like you know this is what the show really is <laughs> this was the tone of most of the show so it would be weird to end on like such a down note when it was such a fun show <laughs> so we're gonna end on a little like flashback to the good times like it's sort of structurally feels good like to me to me when it goes back to that I'm like yeah this is like a more representative of how the show felt overall so it feels more right for, for like, a nice night at Chippendales to be the final shot. But, like, thinking about the implications of that, it's very weird. It's, like, I don't know, just, like, why... Why is your true crime murder show such that it feels wrong for it to end on, like, <laughs> death? <laughs> like, you did something strange here. Yeah. The, Welcome to
0: Chippendales is really a show where I had no. I mean, like, I don't mean like no complaints as in literally no complaints, but like watching it was basically fine. It was like, sure, I'm having a good time. And, you know, rewatching it was also fine. Um But despite like my own enjoyment, I'm also like, this didn't succeed on really any level. <laughs> like, I like. Other than obviously, like, being entertaining and having good scenes, I'm like, this did not succeed in any way at telling the story. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when we were watching it the first time through, when we had no designs on podcasting about it, and we were, um, uh, to the slaughter with no idea what was coming, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I was, like... I, you know, got some serious whiplash at the end when I realized it was all building up to murders that I had no idea were coming. Um, But I really enjoyed it, and I left feeling like I want more of something like this. Um, Which is why I was so excited to read the book. (laughs) Um, um, And then going back and watching it a second time, I was like, hmm, there's just like there's a vibe in the middle that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I'm obviously super into Marie Bartlett, but I don't know that I'll ever be watching this again. Um, this, it is, I, I think, I think I agree that it's not, it's not really a successful piece of storytelling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, well, I feel like my biggest thing is that I'm just like, I never felt like they had a take on Steve Banerjee or on these events, which is like, I kind of like understand and sympathize with. I'm like, yeah, he was a weird guy who made a lot of weird decisions and it was a bunch of stuff that happened. Like, why would you have a take? And yet,
1: that is kind of what you have to do. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It is interesting that, you know, in real life, people do just bizarre bullshit. (laughs) Most people are so bizarre even if they're not criminally insane, (laughs) like, Steve Energy, People are just weird and don't make any fucking sense. Um, And that's not satisfying to watch. We just can't really accept that. Yeah, and I think there's kind of a
0: scale issue where somehow it's weirder to watch a guy do one murder than, like, you know, if you watch, like, Narcos, which is about Pablo Escobar, you can be like, boy, he's bugging, and it, like, totally works. But, like... (laughs) if you're going to show someone doing one murder, you're going to be like, why did he do that? Yeah. And the answer is he should not have. It wasn't a good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. It didn't even benefit him. It didn't even benefit him. Yeah. Um, and I will say, this is one storytelling choice I think the show makes that is really smart, is that they have Steve in his prison cell after he's been convicted, uh, visited by the ghost of Nick Genoya, and Nick Denoya is like, the fuck was yeah? That? Why did you? Why did you do any of that? You yeah. didn't even. You didn't even think that through. <laughs> like, what were you doing? And Steve is just like, defense. It's just kind of like a wild animal. It's just like ah, everybody was trying to rip me off, and like doesn't have an answer because there isn't an answer because he just malfunctioned. Yeah. Um, and I do think it was smart. It makes it land better that they have Nick Denoya show up to be like what? (laughs) What the fuck? Because if they hadn't commented on it, then you, the viewer, would just be like, what? Yeah. It's like, I it's like, I
0: basically agree and understand with, like, I agree with and understand, like, their whole read on him, and it is so close to being like a, like, Walter White type, um, but there's something... About it that is not satisfying. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like obviously it shouldn't be satisfying. People don't make sense, mm-hmm. but you want yeah. more. My, oh, go ahead. Uh,
1: I was just going to say, and it is interesting, you've mentioned Narcos and you've mentioned um, Walter White. And one thing, I wonder if this is a piece of the puzzle. Like, Steve Banerjee, as portrayed by Camille Mangiani, does not have that, like, Anti-hero swagger, mm. like you are not. At least I'm not, and I I like Kumail. Long-Giay. Oh sure, yeah. I'm not as into him anymore now that he's big shot, but <laughs> I loved him when he was stand up. I'm inclined to like Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. and you're just like not drawn in by Steve. <laughs> yeah. He has. He does not have charisma. He does even on a Walter White level. Yeah. You know? Like Walter White sucks and is shitty. Um. But like even even if you're like laughing at him and realizing he's stupid and sucks. There's something, there's no. something cool. You know, he's, he's compelling. He's charismatic. Um, and Steve just fucking isn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, I do think that that's good. Yeah. That they're yeah. not making him, like, <laughs> Scarface. <laughs> like, he's not cool. And yeah. he shouldn't be, because he's a murderer. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: Like, what I really like about this portrayal of Steve Banerjee is that he is, like, just a dweeby small business owner who sucks (laughs) and you're just like oh yeah exactly and I think the strongest parts are about him like just being an off-putting guy like when he tries to do a single news interview about shippendales <laughs> and it's just like oh this guy cannot talk to people <laughs> yeah, i think yeah. that stuff's really good
1: yeah when he's like trying to hobnob with celebrities and he's <laughs> like oh i love television. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah 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 um. Yeah, I, I feel like that, sort of, like, capturing that kind of bad guy is maybe the thing it's most successful at. <laughs> it's, like, not romanticized, not glorified, and not even logical. Yeah, Just, like, some fucking... Honestly, I feel like there are so many small business owners out there who would murder yeah. if they felt they could get away with it and they felt it would benefit them. And just most of them have a better kind of, like, judgment <laughs> of, like, weighing the <laughs> costs and benefits of doing murder <laughs> than mm-hmm. than Steve Energy did. They're probably just on less coke than Steve Energy. Um, that I do think that's maybe maybe the thing it does best. Yeah.
0: Um real quick, is uh, Audacity mm-hmm. still looking good? Mm-hmm. Look good? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think my I've like mulled this over a lot because the show has so much stuff that I like. I like the complexity and I like can't point to anything about their take on Steve that I don't like. I'm just kind of like, oh, not quite, not quite compelling character material. Um, so what I sort of landed on is I think the Chippendales Murders story I would like to see or read would be something a little more, sort of satirical about just like the power of good branding. Cause I think ultimately to me, that is the most interesting thing about this story. Um, that like, first off that Chippendales could fucking recover from this and like all, all our lives, we've just been like, Oh yeah, the sexy man dancing. And it has this horrible history
1: and you're like how did that happen yeah you're so right yeah. how did it not how is it not the the murder strippers <laughs> yeah ever you're so right and yeah. like um what's like f- so fascinating to me is that like
0: what steve banerjee apps actually built like the actual club was never good like good. It was just like always having fire code violations and like was sort of just like this unpleasant place. Um, and then like name Chippendales isn't objectively good, but it is good because it became associated with this. Um, and so it just like makes me think about like brands are kind of nothing. Like there wasn't, I guess like the tours Nick Denoya made were good, Um, but there were also other things that wildly varied in quality, um, called Chippendales. So it's like, this is sort of nothing, but also unbelievably powerful to the point where Nick DiNoia continued working with Steve Banerjee just because the brand was so strong. And I think that is like really terrifying and interesting, but obviously is like, harder to actually be like, what do I put on screen to tell that?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. That is really interesting and it's so fucking weird <laughs> that uh, that I didn't tarnish the brand. Like, why is why has my one association always been Chris Farley and not Murders? Like yeah. that's a, that's a strong brand. It's so <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's just like they
0: got People's brains to associate Chippendales with hot naked men so strongly. Like I don't know anyone who has ever been to a show, yeah. but uh, it's like you know, Thunder from Down Under exists. But mostly, if you want to like do that thing, you're gonna be like, we should do like a Chippendales type thing this weekend.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's super weird. Um, this is going in a different direction. Yeah. But do you know anything about Steve Banerjee's children?
0: No, I tried to look them up because I was like, I wondered what that whole thing was like, uh, but I couldn't find anything on them.
1: So here's what I know. He, I believe, has two children, um, a daughter, who is seen briefly in toddler form in the show, and it seems like they just didn't include, didn't include his son. <laughs> they are like, eh, hey, we're only paying for one child actor or something. <laughs> um, but his son, Christian Banerjee, uh, wrote a competing Chippendales. Wow! Book. I don't know anything about it. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with it. But he wrote a book about the Chippendale murders. Um, he speaks positively about his father. Wow! He's, he talks about his father being, you know, an inspiration to him, and he is. A male stripper.
0: Wow. Uh, and he
1: has started his own company called Strippendales. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: Incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he's, and he talks about like, um, you know, I feel like this is my destiny. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so grateful to my, to my father for like what he built, like led me to my destiny of like being a male stripper. Um, and that's somebody I want to see a fucking series about. Yeah. That's a fascinating sure. <laughs> <line>. <laughs> Wow, Like not all, like the final like like the cherry on top is that he he named his own company Strippendales. Yeah. Wow. That's it that wow. goes back to what you're saying about Brandon.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I just like haven't I only read like one quick little article about him so I don't know much more but I just like what an what an interesting person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a a lead to follow.
2: That's...
1: (laughs) mind.
0: Katie, how long have we been talking? Let's see. A a while. It looks like... Hour 13. Okay, yeah.
1: Uh, Did you have anything else you really wanted to get to? Let me think. Oh, I did want to um, also comment, just going back to... um, Going back to things that the show changed possibly needlessly, his, um, his wife, who is a very cute little Broadway-type gal whose name I didn't Anna Lee Ashford, I want to say. Oh, maybe. That sounds right. I
0: remember her name and voice were super familiar to me. I think maybe Mm. she was on the original cast recording of Legally Blonde, and that's
1: why. (gasps) That would make sense. She seems like the type. Um... She is, I know her from John Eleni and the Sacklant Bunch. She's the white lady mm-hmm. crying. Um, and yeah, Annalie Ashford, you're correct. You're absolutely correct. And she was in Legally Blonde the musical. You mm. fucking got it. Um, so uh, his wife played by Annalie Ashford is a, uh, an accountant and they meet while well, she's like at a bachelorette mm-hmm. party and she starts like giving him advice on how to, and it's a very, it's a cute little meet yeah, so cute. She's like, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if you put more ice in the drinks, you save approximately a thousand dollars a month on liquor costs alone. And they're like, they get like so horny about the numbers together. Mm-hmm. They fall in love. It's, it's very yes. cute. Um, and so I guess since it is cute, like I see why they did it, but she was not, she was not an accountant. She, mm. and there's no, the, the book doesn't mention her helping him with I think she was a nurse like just that's just the whole cloth you know and she could if they were to add that for color I mean she could still be a nurse and just be really good with money just (laughs) just have a smart business mind why should have to be a professional showbiz accountant like that's just such a random thing to make up yeah I don't
0: know yeah I was gonna say I do really like their relationship and, uh, especially since Camille made the show with his wife, I think it's very cute that they were like, well, obviously the character is going to be a wife guy and his wife's going to be so cute. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this show had a lot of, I mean, you see this a lot and it like makes sense, but like adding more prominent, uh, women and black characters and obviously gay characters, uh, as we've discussed, um, which like. Uh, makes sense, uh, but I think was uh, a mixed bag on level of success. I think the wife character, regardless of, you know, lies, is, like, a super good character. Um, I think
1: the... Yeah, I agree, yeah. yeah. Much better than Steve.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think the uh, black character they put in, so he could be like, I want to succeed, and then be like, hmm, Steve's racist, was, like, weird. I was like, you should... Give him more screen time. He's like a main character in the credits, but only in like the middle episodes. I don't know. It's weird. I really liked the actor, and I liked yeah. a lot of his scenes. But it's like as soon as he's gone, you're like, how well, was that
1: in there? Yeah, yeah, I agree. He did. He did. He did a lot with very little. You yeah. know, not. It's not a great character. <laughs> Whoa, that just reminded me of the um the. Because there's a whole little plot point about him being cut out of the calendar because uh, they make the Chippendales calendar and Steve doesn't want, doesn't think a black guy will sell. Um, but that just reminded me that there's this story about they accidentally print calendars mm-hmm. with 31 days on every single month and they've spent like all this money and all the calendars are just trash now. Mm-hmm. And that part is actually true. And that's like, that's a great, that's a, wow. That's, that's a, a great story, yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. That's stupid as shit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, <laughs> but what I, what I don't respect that the show did with that story is that we have, you know, they set up Steve being, like, harried and, like, ah, I've got to be somewhere. I will tired to look at these proofs. I'm just going to sign the proofs. I'm not even going to look at the proofs. I don't care. It's fine. It's fine. Just print the calendars. Um, and then that comes back to bite him because you should have checked those proofs because the calendars had 31 days on every month. But then when he, when he gets these boxes upon boxes, like a hundred thousand or whatever, um, useless calendars, it comes back. He, they've already established that his father is a printer, which I don't know if that's true or not about the Real Estate manager, but they've established that his father was a printer. And it cuts back to a childhood memory. A little Steve Banerjee like eight years old, and his father's showing him the printing press and he's like, number one rule of printing. Always double check your proof. It's so it felt, weird. It's like a fucking like, I don't know, arrested development or like Dewey Cox type bit. Yeah, thing. it's <laughs> like, so weird. Like that's just such a straight you know what, you don't need to you don't need to rub <laughs> it in. You don't it's like, yeah, he did something really stupid. Yeah.
0: It's good, it can stand on its own. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is
1: a fun little fact. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you can think of? Hmm. I guess I mentioned Andrew Rannells briefly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I do want to say that I thought he was very good. Um, when Andrew Rannells showed up, and it became clear that he would be Nick Denoya played by Murray Bartlett's main love interest, I was like, oh no. I was promised gay Murray Bartlett sex, and it's gonna be gay Murray Bartlett sex with Andrew Randalls <laughs> Past his prime, Andrew?
2: <laughs>
1: In a physical se- I mean, aren't we all? I'm probably past my physical prime as well. But you know what? <laughs> He's not even at his cutest, and even when he was, I wasn't into him. And I was disappointed, and I was crestfallen um, that it wasn't somebody sexier, that it was not Lucas Gage again. Um, but... He won me he over. He's he's charming. I like him. He was good. He was fun, and I forgave him for being Rand- Andrew Rannells. And I thought that their scenes together were sexy, and I thought they had really good chemistry. And I thought that it re- you know it really broke my heart when he when he when he found yeah. dead, was he, uh, it was really sad, and um and I forgive him for being Andrew Rannells. Yeah, I do.
0: I would just like to add, uh. When, we, like, we were talking about, you know, all the various changes they made, and the uh, it did make me think of like the real guy who just like worked in the same office building who found Nick <laughs> Anoya, That uh, it'd just be weird to be like that. That was one of my uh, I assume this one of this guy's most traumatic memories, and <laughs> you just gave it to his
1: boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that is super weird, yeah. Like, oh. That was the worst thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I, I guess it's good that I'm not watching, uh, you know, Josh Dumont <laughs> with the facts wrong. I guess it's good that it's just not me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's very weird. <laughs>
0: Oh, also, I want to say that in the end, when it, like, flash-forwards and Steve Banerjee is older, he's got a little gray in his hair, he's wearing a sweater, I think Kumail looked hot as hell, he's and so I was good. like, instead of doing steroids, he should have become one of those guys, like, George Clooney, who just, like, leans into being old, yeah. like, one of those guys who's, like, 42, but convinces everyone he's the world's hottest 60-year-old, I think <laughs> that
1: really suit him. Yeah, like John Slattery. Yeah. he was on Madden. Yeah, he did look great. Steve looks like shit for most... (laughs) Yeah. He looks like shit for the whole series. And then at the end, he's in in this little Nordic sweater. He's got those glasses and that gray
0: gray, hair. Fucking, yeah. Yeah, Sign me up. Mm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All
0: right. With that said, would you like to rate these bad boys? I think I would. All right. I am going to give... Welcome to Chippendales. A two and a half. I think like in the context of us being like I want to watch Murray Bartlett in something it was like great. Surpassed my expectations for a random show I watched to be horny. But like just if someone who didn't have a crush on anyone in this was like hey should I watch Welcome to Chippendales? I would be like you could but there are a lot of shows you could watch before you get to Welcome to Chippendales, you know? <laughs>
1: that's, you know, that's a good point. And I was planning on giving it a three and a half. Um, but I think I may be drifting down to a three now. Um, I think it's, I do think it's solid. Um, it doesn't hold up to close scrutiny on, like, most levels. Um, but yeah, the fir- the first time watching it and just just being there for it, I was like, hey, this was just a random ass thing that I put on, and it's
2: it's good. Yeah.
1: Okay. Great. Which I guess is like
0: kind of how these miniseries are designed to be. It's like yeah. you're not gonna rewatch it to catch up for season two. You're done.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. And I think that the um, it does have. A, I think it has a lot of good characters. Mm-hmm. They're not. I don't think. Almost any of them are like faithful renderings of the real people. I think, I think Steve seems plausibly like a pretty faithful rendering and he's one of the least good characters. I don't know what to do with that, but, um, I did enjoy it. And my, my perspective on it is certainly skewed by my attraction to Murray Bartlett. I can't fully set that aside. (laughs) Um, but it was a good, you know, it was, it was a good watch. And on second, on second viewing, I was like, all right, I'm done with this. But, you know, it was still, I still enjoyed the second viewing. Um, so I think, I think, I think three is a solid sort of like good, you know, good middle of the road, whatever, whatever little, little, uh, piece of entertainment. And it does have, um, it does have some, some good I think, I think the, the actors are the strongest point yeah, by, sure. by a significant mm-hmm. margin, I'd say. yeah, um, Less sexy than I would hope from a Chippendale show. I really think the only sexy parts are, like, Nick Genoa having sex in his personal life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> None of
0: the stripper stuff is hot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think...
0: I mean, I haven't seen the 2000 movie. Maybe it hits it out of the park. But... It feels like both the book and the show have trouble squaring the circle of it just being like, ooh, the real story of Chippendales, this will be a... But then it's just like, you know, this like guy in the valley put on a cheesy show for horny moms. I don't know. Like, it's just not actually sexy.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. Um. All right. Now for the book. All right. So I... Here is my thing, and I think we're going to disagree on this. I,
1: I bet. You're right.
0: So, obviously, <laughs> I think the book is literally, objectively, the worst written book I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I make it a policy to not give one star unless it was, like, an unpleasant experience. And I, reading it personally was like, this is like a real easy read and it's just like real goofy. (laughs) uh, So it was like, yeah, that was like a few days of my life being like, what a dumb book. So I cannot bring myself to like all the things I've given one star. I wanted to die. So I'm going to give it two stars for that reason (laughs) of my personal enjoyment.
1: I, I understand and I respect it. Um... It's also probably the worst written book I've ever read. Um, I read part of Fifty Shades of Grey. Maybe a toss up in terms of writing quality. Um, but I would say those are the bottom two. Okay. Um, and it took me longer to read this than it took you. Again, I'm in grad school. Um, so it was like, oh, I'm taking a little break from doing homework. I get to read a little bit of a book now. Oh wait, I have to read fucking <laughs> the Chippingale Murders. <That's> <laughs> um, so that colored my reading a little bit. And I agree, pretty much every book I've ever given one star, I like deeply, viscerally hated. And um, this Deadly Dance is not capable of inspiring such strong emotions in a human being. I <laughs> you know, probably if you were there and you're like, that's not what happened. That's the only way. That's the only way. If you're like, don't, don't lie about my husband's motives, that's, that's the only way you can have a strong reaction. Um, and for that reason, I almost gave it two stars. But I feel like that inability to inspire any kind of feeling is its own kind of condemnation. Uh, I didn't have as much fun with it as you did. I uh, you know, had a little bit of fun making fun of it. Um, but if somebody had just texted me a list of like mm-hmm. the ten worst sentences in the book, I w- I would have lost nothing. You know mm-hmm. that's that's the enjoyment I got from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one star. It's just it's it's a soft one star. It's a one star like free of venom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a worthless book. It doesn't it didn't it doesn't need to exist. It's it's no good. It's it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> one star.
2: That's all fair.
0: Hey let's end on a recommendation uh so since we both liked the tv show better we'll be recommending books uh so my recommendation is molly's game by molly bloom so
1: glad you didn't recommend what i was gonna recommend thank god yeah. okay go
0: ahead um so deadly dance i feel like really wants to be like oh sex in los angeles and it is just does not deliver on that basic promise at all. Um, but Molly's game, similar, similar vibe of like setting up your little your little business in LA's CD underbelly. But I think like actually hits the mark of like doing ecstasy on a yacht with Todd Phillips instead of it just being like a weird, boring guy who uh, runs a little business.
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, I didn't like the book Molly's game um, nearly as much as you did. I didn't really like the writing style of it, but even as someone who didn't really like the book, it totally like delivers on stuff you want from a Chippendales book in a way that the Chippendales book does not. I yeah, I definitely think that that's a good uh, a good one. Yeah. Okay. Um my recommendation, so what's what do you what do you want from a book if you if you like Welcome to Chippendales? Uh, the year 1980. The setting <laughs> Los Angeles. The the vibe kind of horny and gay. Uh, somebody's uh, troubled. Psychological issues, murders, uh, darkness, uh, but also just like weird guys, weird socially <laughs> awkward <laughs> guys. My friends. The book The Shards. The author Bready nice. Stanis. Uh, this is Braddy Stanis's newest book. Um, I am obviously a, a Braddy Stanis stan. Uh, it, so it may be no surprise that I'm writing. <laughs> Novel, but I, re- I do think that the shards um, really delivers on this sort of like dishy, lascivious, uh, horny <laughs> uh, vibe, but also tempered with this like very dark, troubled, um, tense, and like kind of genuine. There's a gen- the thing the thing that worked the best for me in Welcome to Chippendales was this sort of like Nick Genovese like the sexual trouble, like the kind of like undercurrent of him like wrestling with his sexuality, which is sort of the like the main thrust of, of the shards. Um so I recommend it. The shards. No none of these murders really happen, so you don't have to feel that weird about being horny for it. Yeah, that's a great recommendation, friend. Thank you.
0: Alright. Shall we do some floats? Let's
1: fucking do it. Alright.
0: Everybody, you can follow me on Twitter at Lenny Burnham. And you can uh, listen to my other podcast, House of House. And I guess uh, if you like me talking about Kumail Nanjiani shows... Uh, I have a blog, dineshgilfoyle.tumblr.com. Right now, I just use it to reblog random gift sets. But if you go into the Dinesh X Gilfoyle tag, there's just a real treasure trove of content for you. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, you can follow me on Twitter at Katie L. Wright. You can check out the archives of my podcast, Brett Easton Hell Yes, uh, going through all the works of Brettie Snellis and, and adjacent works and adaptations. Lenny's been on several episodes. Uh, and there are a couple of special edition episodes upcoming. Um, so I've already recorded one with Liz Andre on Brett's, I wanna say it was 2020 film, um, The Smiley Face Murders. And then Lenny and I, We'll soon be recording an episode on the shards, um, so that'll hopefully be out uh, this summer. <laughs> Don't have a real tight <laughs> tight timeline for it, but it should be out in the coming months. Uh, and um, and I also just just want to plug the concept of, of homosexuality. Hey, yes,
0: <laughs> and we're this won't be by the time this is out, it will be over. But we are recording during Pride, pride yeah. so please go have some gay sex yeah. or if you're like me just stay home and watch tv shows about gay sex yeah. both 10 out of 10 experiences.
1: Absolutely. Let me real quick help me workshop this. Something yeah. with plug, anal plug, plug sure, butt Yes. Plugs. All right. My yeah. My plug is about Yeah, butt yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I okay. think we got That's this. Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> and uh subscribe to the Patreon if you want episodes 2 weeks early. Thank you so much for listening everybody.